Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Game Day Show. It's game day in Ogden, and uh, we're here to enjoy it with you, folks. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. I uh, want to remind you that we are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. We are the Weber State affiliate. So check out our fellow Big Sky Podcast member um, colleagues. We've got Kyler Neal doing Eagles Power Hour. We've got the guys up at Tubbs of the Club talking Idaho. Um, opponent that we'll talk about today, the, the Montana Grizzlies, covered by Grizz Fan Pod. Um, R&R CatCast, talking a little bit about Montana State uh, and those guys. Um, I don't think I forgot anybody. I think uh, there are a couple. Uh, NAU's got one. Um, Casey's doing a good job there. And then also, uh, I think uh, there's a couple of guys that are covering uh, Northern Colorado. You have to check those guys. I don't think they're in the network. But anyway, that's the podcast network, man. Go check it out. But uh want to welcome you guys into this show today. On, the, on today's game day show, we've got returning champion... Coach Tom Stackeruk, Tom, three and three last week in your picks. What happened? Hey, man, three and three. That's just like what's going to happen to Montana. We're going to give them their third loss, man. It's a streak. <laughs> okay, <laughs> got it out early. Listen, man, I got I don't got room to talk. I went four and two, so it wasn't like I was that much better. But I'll tell you who was that much better. The signpost's own Simon Mortensen. Uh, Simon five and one last week. Uh, only one he got wrong was uh, was the Cats. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe stacks the reverse Jessica Euler because every time I play this game against Jess, I lose and I lose bad. So, oh. maybe, maybe I mean, like it's clearly it's clearly a luck thing on that one. And maybe you're just I'm the your lucky player. charm, man. I'm your lucky charm. That's yeah. right. <laughs> sort of like uh, you know, there's just that one team that you just always own. Yep. You know, and so. Interesting. But uh, yeah, man, the one game you that you got wrong was probably the one game you didn't want to get wrong out of all of them. Exactly. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah. And that was, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a heartbreaker. And I, uh, and I know we could have won that one and we'll probably get into that more, but that was, yep. <laughs> could have had it. Uh, but yeah. let's talk about today's show guys. So um, we're going to recap last week, give Simon and Tom a little bit of time to talk about Montana state, what they liked, what they didn't like and name an MVP. And then we'll go on to today's game against the Grizz at Stewart stadium. Uh, make sure you get up there folks. Grizz fans, like we've been saying over the past few weeks, Grizz fans will travel. And so we want to get up there and we want to get loud and make sure that there are a lot more wildcat fans than uh, the folks that wear maroon at Stewart stadium. Uh, then we'll do a quick fly around the sky and uh, talk about some of today's matchups and we'll do some more picks and see how wrong we can get that. But before we do encourage everybody subscribe to the show, Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. If you want to subscribe on our YouTube channel, these shows are there. You can just listen to all of it and um, check it out. So um, you can also find us social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, great places to interact with the Weber state weekly team. And then uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. I've got uh, already got some interviews in the can. Got a bunch more um, tomorrow on Sunday. Um, and then also I got some volleyball interviews next week. So a lot of recruiting content coming and you will get early access to that recruiting content, those those recruiting interviews, if you are a patron. So go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly and become a patron and support the work that we're trying to do. Okay, guys, let's give you an opportunity now. Talk a little bit about Montana State. Um, a weird one. I mean, there, I think there's no way to to descri describe this. The Wildcats had, what, one drive in the first quarter, but came away with 14 points? Was that how it went? <laughs> it's just, just weird, man. So, I don't know, guys. What'd you like uh, from this one? Coach, I'll go with you first. You know, I the thing I liked is, 
a lot of the problems we had, you know, beyond, beyond the snaps, sure. but it's, it was just a lot of guys trying to want to make a play, you know, receivers know when, when they're going to catch the ball, they know how much space is around them. They know how they have an opportunity to score. And I think a couple of those drops kind of came back to that is those, those kids knew those players knew that they had a chance to make a big play. They had a chance to win the game and they were thinking about that before, you know, executing the catch, you know? So um, I think it's kind of uh, an interesting thing, a cool thing that those guys wanted to make that play. Um, You know, same thing with defense, you know, the quarterback got away from us a couple of times, maybe more than a couple of times, but you know, the defenders, our defenders were looking inside, trying to make a play on, on him. And as soon as you look inside and dip inside a little bit, he's a hell of an athlete, man. And then he's out the door, you know, and and he's, you know, and, and you can, you can talk about our defense and, and, and giving up those yards, but sometimes you got to give credit where credit's due. That kid's a hell of a football player. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And in undesigned runs, you know, undesigned runs are hard to defend. You know, when you're running like a, I don't know, just a downhill dive play, everybody has their gaps. But when that quarterback starts running the ball, it's, it's tougher, man. Everything you're defending from sideline to sideline, you got to cover a lot of, a lot of space. Um, so those are a couple of things I like, you know, the other thing I liked, I, I thought, I thought we came back in the, in the second half and talked about, got the kids coached up on defense of not dipping inside and, you know, uh, keeping leverage. And we were better at containing him in the second half. I thought we did a better good job of that. And I thought, you know, Bronson had uh, a play in the first, first quarter where, where he need not to slide so early. Mm-hmm. And then you see in the second half, he doesn't slide. So he either he made those adjustments or someone put it, you know, got him coached up on the sideline, you know, because I think he does slide a little bit more this year than last year. And he's probably been coached to do that, to stay healthy through the whole season, yeah, but course. there's a time and place for everything. And, and maybe that wasn't the, the right time. Um, I think the last thing probably is just, I think it's a lot of uh, a, a, a growing stage for a lot of, of our young players and players in general to be in a moment like that and have to perform. It's like, you know, you can, sh- you can shoot those three throws and shoot those three throws, but when the lights come on and you're down by one and you got to hit the first part of that one-on-one, it's a different animal. And I think, I think being in a game like that and being in that situation, I think there's a lot of growth that you're not, maybe we didn't see with a win, but I think there was a lot of growth on our team to be in that environment and to grow and to be, be better the next time, you know, and maybe the next time is this Saturday and maybe it's the Saturday after when we take on the Sac State. Yeah. Tom, what about you, man? What'd you like about the matchup with the Bobcats and Bozeman last weekend? Um, uh, you know, think, well, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think like we had a couple, a couple of players show up really big on defense. I love Eddie Heckard. Um, yeah. I think like one of the big things is it's hard. Like when you're on the same team with, you know, Maxwell Anderson, who's been such a stud this year, but Eddie Heckard is another reason why we have the best pass defense in the conference, right? Like hundred percent. Yep. Six tackles, one interception, just kind of killed it. We had, you know, a lot of players on defense kind of show up. I loved our run game this game. Um, Donnie killed it. And I've loved having this Chris Jackson thing where he's done a pretty good job at covering for Josh Davis while he's out, you know, having 37 yards. He's kind of one of those guys that, you know, you'd always see coming to the game and would have like that 
one to two yard punch right into the end zone. Right. That was kind of his big thing. And now we're seeing him evolve a little bit more as a runner. So love seeing that on there. Um, was a tough game to watch high scoring game. So, you know, we, you know, had offense playing out well and um, just didn't go our way and a few reasons for that, but yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, let's talk a little bit then uh, briefly about what you didn't like. I mean, obviously there are things that got to get cleaned up. Everyone, you know, as soon as I walked into the office, the guy who sits behind me is a Tennessee Vols guy. He's all forced. I'm like, listen, man. (laughs) Uh, So we can talk about that, but there are also other things. Um, What, you know, coach, what, what maybe did you not like necessarily about the way things went in Bozeman? Well, we got to talk about the obvious, right? So we got to, we definitely got to get that fixed, um, <clears throat> you know, and I don't know what that conversation was on the sideline. I don't know uh, the relation, not the relationship, but what kind of vibe Jay has from, from him, from the long snapper throughout the week. And, you know, maybe, maybe we didn't make that change quick enough. I don't know. Um, you know, so that, that's, that's one. You know, and I, I just kind of wished, man, it just seemed like we played a little tight in that first half, mm-hmm. you know, and in that second half, man, it was just like, uh, it was pretty impressive in the, in the second half, that last drive converting two fourth downs and I, Big mean, time plays. You, I mean, we were fer- focused and dialed in and it just seems like we're just, just a little bit off, you know, uh, in the, in the first part of the game. Uh, but you know, I know you, you're asking me what I didn't like, but I, the, I'm going to go back to the, still the one thing that I really, really liked is, I mean, we stuck together, man. And there's so many chances to, to call it a day for our team. So many chances and things aren't going right. And we're one play away, and one play away from back. winning that game. And that's, that's a, that's a, that's a great credit to the culture that, that, uh, that Jay's developed on that football team and all the players have, uh, have bought into it. But, you know, like I said before, maybe what I didn't like is, you know, the way we started and way we were handling things at the beginning and you want to start fast and it would have been nice to have that pick, you know, take it in the end zone for, for six or for the offense to convert in six. And that would have been nice to really jump on them. But, you know, those things didn't happen, but we, we continue to battle and, and, and work through those things. And, you know, it's, what do you expect? You know, we all knew it was coming. Montana State, Montana, and SAC, right? They're yep. three good teams, right? And and it's it's going to be like that. So, yeah. Simon, what about you? Didn't like about the game in Bozeman? Yeah, no, I think, you know, we can always state the obvious, like, the case of the yips. Um, sure. And, and it's tough. Um, and I hope OBZ will come back and, you know, no one – no one likes to see that. So I, uh, I hope, I hope it, you know, gets fixed and everything like that. Um, but just a rough, just a rough week there. I think, you know, you got to give Montana state credit for what they were able to do on defense. We talked about how this was the other big pass defense in the, in the conference and they showed up, you know, they kept Bronson Barron under 50% for, you know, his, his pass completion and 151 yards and everything like that. Like, you know, I, I think like, I would have loved to see Jacob Sharp, you know, get some balls in this game and everything like that. And, and that's one of those things where it's an, I wish statement. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I wish we could have seen more from more from the air as far as getting, getting past that defense. Cause I think that would have 
would have helped us out in the long run quite a bit. I think if we just got that that pass game going a little bit more, we would have had him. So, hmm. uh, guys, MVP from this one, Coach. What do you got? I kind of like our interior D line. I thought they played well. You know, I thought those guys inside the D line kids, uh, the D tackles played really well this game. So that's, you know, those, those guys kind of stood out to me. And I, and I know Simon just talked about Bronson, but you know, uh, I think it, I think the thing that I liked about him is the way that he finished that game, you know, the, the fourth downs and just like, you know, it's hard, man. It's hard when things aren't going right to, to get things to turn. Right. And he, he was able to do that. Right. To, to, you know, to rally the troops and everybody, you know, found a way to get us down there and we were one play away. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think, you know, I think Bronson played best he could, and I think he did a great job in a lot of spaces um, and it's a tough defense to go against. So I really think he did a great job with what he was working with and like, you know, what he was working against and everything like that. So, yeah. And, and, you know, like let's look at a couple of drops, right? I mean, I, I bet, you know, the one that, that the slant is going to go probably going to be a touchdown, right? And a, a couple other ones. I mean, now you're, now you're a hundred plus yards, right? Now you're, now, now your stat line's looking pretty darn good, but we stuck together and, and we rallied and, uh, you know, had a chance. It made it happen. All right, fellas. Uh, so that's just kind of. Uh, last week's game gave you an opportunity to kind of give your takes, but now let's turn the page and uh, look at today's game against the Montana Grizz coming to town, um, hurting a little bit. Like you said, currently on a two game losing streak, lost to Idaho, obviously at Wash Grizz a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then, um, uh, and then I uh, went to Sa- Sacramento in a late game last weekend and lost the close one. And so, um, kind of reeling a little bit. The Grizz now getting into the meat of their own schedule. Uh, this will be another tough game for them. Uh, then they'll have a couple of a couple of games that are a little bit softer and they, uh, they'll they go to Bozeman to take on the Bobcat team that we just saw last weekend and we'll see how that shakes out. But an opportunity now for the Grizz to right the ship. That's what they'll be looking for. I think they'll be hungry. Uh, Three-game losing streak in a place like Montana pretty big deal. That's not something that happens usually to them. So let's, uh, let's start off with their defense. Cause I think that that's the hallmark of what uh, this team is. Montana leads the conference right now. They give up an average of 294 yards a game. Um, Idaho and Weber state aren't far behind. Idaho's at three Oh six. Weber's at three ten. So close, right? The, you know, these three, these three defenses are in the neighborhood, but Montana giving up just a few less yards per game. The wildcat offense has stalled often in the middle of the game. And we've talked about that on this show about how second and third quarters, it get a little soft and then they kind of figured things out in the fourth and they're able to drive. So the question to you guys is this is going to be their toughest test defensively by far that the Grizz are one of the most elite defenses in the conference, if not the country. And so what will it take to score points against this Grizz defense? Because they're awful good at stopping the run. And that's a hallmark of the balanced offense that coach Mickey mental likes to run. Yeah. I, I think what, Oh, yep. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Sean. Oh, Simon. oh yeah. Well, I was going to say, um, 
I think one of your biggest things that you're looking at in this game is obviously Patrick O'Connell and Marcus Well now. Um, yep. you know, that is yep. that is a two-headed beast if I've ever seen one. <laughs> yep. That is um I think like it'll be they they do stop the run very well and they they lead the conference sacks and they they kill it. Um but I think like one of the big things with um that is I think it make an impressive statement if we get, you know, Chris Jackson out there, if we get um Damon Bankston and just kind of just kind of running on them a little bit. Like I think if you can open that up and and open up that run game, I think it's going to be hard to stop them because they're not really like, that's where they're heavily concentrated is that defensive line. And that is a tough place to be. And I think, um, you know, you look at it, like as far as airing out to Ty McPherson and everything, that's going to be one of the things that they have an advantage with is being able to get that ball out far. Um, and so that's, that's what I kind of want to see is I want to see, just a little bit of tra- penetration on that defensive line because I think it'll it'll hurt him a little bit. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be really interesting and kind of just flipping real quick. But Montana has a really nice offensive line too. Watching those guys play, and I think that's going to just I think it's just going to be the battle of the the ultimate battle of the trenches. You know, mm. Weber State's O line versus Montana's D line, Montana's O line versus Weber's D line because the both D lines are very comparable, right? I mean, pretty pretty solid group depth linebackers. I think the whole thing for what, what group's going to find success or what team's going to be find success is first down run. Who can get a good first down run situation going? So it's, it's second, second and five, right? Now you can work. You can, you can really open up that playbook when you're second and five. If you get into second and 10 or you have a negative play now it's second and 12 now you now now you know now now that's when the sacks start dialing up right because now okay we're going to chuck the ball so i just think it though for both offensive lines it's production in the first down run part of the of of the of the uh, series and who can be successful for that and now you know now you get your shot plays right it's second and it's second and one. Oh, I'm going to burn. I'm going to burn a play here. I'm, I'm going to yeah. throw it up, right? I'm going to take a chance. And the defense doesn't, you know, defense doesn't uh, really know or they're in a tough situation there. So it's going to be interesting because, like I said, I think they're very, very similar um, defensive line-wise and offensive line-wise, um, quarterback-wise. I think, I think the only area, the area that I would give – uh, advantage to us it being a running back with depth and and talent. I think we're a little bit better in, in the running back spot, which could be the thing that could take us over over the top as as far as that you know that offense. But got to be consistent, right? Because again, if they're forcing you to use three downs to get a first down, that's a lot of plays you got to run to get down the field, and it's it's a little easy to screw something up. So I just think it comes down to first down, first down play. What, what are we going to do? Who's going to have the most success uh, in that, that first down? So like you said, coach, I mean, a nice offensive line play by the Grizz. They lead the conference right now in giving up the fewest sacks. They've only given up seven sacks all, all season. Um, the Wildcats just behind with only giving up eight sacks. And so a couple of really good offensive lines, but, I mean, Montana's defensive line, just 23 sacks, you know, just absolutely monstrous. You know, they're just, they're yeah. next level. But Simon, what but, about you? 
Oh, Sorry, go I got I gotta add one thing because I've lived this journey. I lived this one, right? It is a big deal. Trust me, guys. When you're playing up there and your offensive line kids, especially your tackles, aren't used to looking inside to the ball, right? And then and then getting their pass sets. It's a big deal. They don't do it all the time. It's a different environment. So I guarantee if you go back and look, some of those teams that came in and played just aren't used to it. Like that never played there, never used to that environment. So that that's worth a couple extra sacks on there. I'm not taking anything away from them, but there is a trust me, there is a, a, a distinct advantage with their fans when you when you get down into those end zones and they're loud and your old line is looking into that ball and then they got a, a premier guy just coming off the ball and, and your offensive tackle's not even got out of stance yet and the guy's behind him. So there is a there's there is a definitely home field advantage and it relates to some of their sack totals. Yeah, I mean and and the schedule that they played, the out of conference was relatively soft. And so it's easy, you know, when you're beating up on teams that aren't good. Um, they played a lot of games at Wagres, um, which is like you said, Tom, is a very difficult place, one of the most difficult places, I think, to play in the entire country. So Simon, what about you, man? Um, any thoughts on how to score those points? Yeah, no, I think I think I'm gonna go along with what Coach said, um, because he brought up a really good point and it points back to the stat book as well. Like, you know, you're running three, four plays against Montana. Montana has one of the best uh, third down um, opponent, third down conversion rate. Like, you know, they only do like 29.8%. We were just barely above them with 27.4. So if you're getting those second and five plays, anything like that, where you're progressing the ball a little bit faster and you're avoiding getting to those crunch time plays, I think it's going to be huge. Um, what does make it hard is that they are one of the best with, um, you know, pulling first downs and everything like that. But um, a big thing is with them um, that's kind of interesting is that they have one of the worst red zone defenses in the conference, which is yeah. kind of funny for, you know, having this stout defensive line, you think they might be a little bit higher. Um, and so that's one of those things too. I think field possess like field possession is going to be, huge part of this game for us, um, everything like that. And so, um, there's just a few things to look at. It's just like, you know, being able to progress that ball fast. I think one of the nice things is with this no huddle offense that we've kind of been running, uh, this coach offense, it does go quick. And I think it does allow for that faster progression, um, being able to run some screen plays, big runs in there. So I think we play well in that space where we can get like, you know, that second and five play that we want rather than getting second and 10 and second and 12. So. Yeah. And, and it kind of going back to that efficiency thing, because when you watch the sack in Montana game, Montana, I can't remember the percentage, but the amount of plays they ran was just crazy. Like they had ran like 90 something at plays and sacks offense had run very like. I can't remember like 60. It was just off the, off the wall, the, the amount of plays that the Montana offense had running. And I think there's something that kind of adds to what you said about the efficiency of their O line, you know, that they're able, and you saw that against sack. I mean, and I, I'll give it to sack. I was impressed, man, because they, they, they were able to withstand man because the sack defense was on the field a long time, very, very long time. And, you know, it talks to the sack state defense is their toughness, but it also talks about the efficiency of the uh, Montana offense to execute, 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 um, to, to withstand, uh, to, to withstand those drives. 
And that's another big thing that I actually like we brought up is that time of possession. You know, if you go back to the stat sheet, Idaho actually leads the conference in time of possession. Yeah, they do. Um, yep. Took down Montana. Sac State is just, you know, at that number four spot. So I think that time of possession right now, I know we run a quicker offense, so we're a little bit lower on that stat sheet. But still, I think, you know, the longer you're able to keep that ball in the field. And yeah, I think that's going to be a huge advantage to us. Yeah, and I know, and the other thing is, I know we're get off point here, but the other thing that's going to be interesting is the is the games that Montana's played versus the games that Weber's played. Montana's had two tough physical games that they've played against physical teams. You know, I know we had a tough one last week, but so we had what well, we had uh, Montana State, and then who did we have there before that? Eastern. Is that we, right? had, we had we had um, yeah Eastern. Um, well, yeah, there was PSU, then there was Eastern, and then there was the bye. Yeah. So we're kind of, you know, we're just kind of getting into it and they've had two tough back to back and a tough travel flying down the sack. So be, you know, be interesting to see where they're at physically. Yeah. I mean, good point. This is their second week on the road. Um, that had, that's a factor as well, but talking about conversions, um, fourth down has been a problem for the Grizz on both sides of the ball. They've had a, they, they haven't had a lot of success converting when they go for it but they've also struggled to shut opponents down when the opponent is going for it. And so it's, it's kind of crazy because they're also, like you said, Simon second in the conference at holding opponents on third down right behind the wildcats. So it seems that if you can get, if you are in a situation where you feel comfortable going for it, you're probably going to roll the dice because of the difficulty that the Grizz have had on holding opponents. But with a team that blitzes as much as they do, I, I was really surprised that their fourth down conversion was so, so bad at holding opponents because they like to bring the house. And I don't know, what do you, what do you make of that for these guys where they just have a hard time holding opponents on fourth down, even though they are phenomenal, just as good as the Wildcats holding opponents on third. Yeah, this is a good, this is a good coach stat question. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try at it a, a little bit. I think one of the things that I love about seeing fourth downs, and I actually saw this um, just in our Baltimore Tampa Bay game that was going on. Um, fourth down is extremely unpredictable. Like it, it's one of those times where I think, you know, you can bring the house on fourth down and you can, you can really pound that line and everything like that, but you don't know, like, you don't know, they could, they could be setting up for a 15 yard pass. Um, you, you run different risks on fourth down. I feel when you're going for it, than you do on third down. Cause third down, you know, you're thinking of that field, that field position, where, where are you going to land them? Um, if, if this play fails fourth down, you know, exactly where it's going to happen. There's the risk is a hundred percent and you've got nothing to lose. And so I think that's one of the things that's a little bit hard is I think it's tricky to coach for. And I think they rely on that defensive line a ton. And that's what leads to that, you know, opponent conversion rate right there. It's just like, they're relying on that. And when it doesn't kick in at that fourth down play, it hurts. Mm-hmm. Coach, what do you think? I think, I think the one thing that I have seen, I haven't seen all of Montana's games, but the one or two that I have seen it's kind of interesting is people are taking a shot on fourth down, you know, like your fourth down conversion and all those things can be really good if it only happens twice. Right. But I think, mm-hmm. I think from what I've saw, cause I saw Portland do it. I saw, I think I saw Portland do it twice. 
and I saw, I think I saw Idaho do it once, but take shots on fourth down because I think sometimes when you look at a team like Montana, you go, hey, we got to take, we got to steal a possession. This is a really good football team. We got to steal a possession. So maybe part of it is more teams taking, taking shots on fourth down because the ones that I did see those teams take, they did convert on them. You know, and so that could be part of it, too, is just people taking shots at it. Uh, Maybe people have schemed them pretty good that, okay, this is we know what you're going to do. So we've got a plan for for what we're going to do in in a fourth down situation as far as if you're going to blitz and play man, then we're going to do this. Right. So, you know, maybe it's a little bit of scheme. Maybe it's a, a little bit of more people taking shots at them because they know that they have to steal a possession. They keep, you know, they keep the chains moving. So it could be those those type of things. So those are things that come up to mind. But when you look at it, it doesn't really make sense when you have a strong defensive front like they do and a pretty darn good offensive line that can that can get you a yard for a fourth down conversion. It doesn't really make sense. But like I said, I think on the defensive side, when you look at Montana's defense, I think it's because people are taking shots and if they're going to blitz, then, then there's some, some things there that people are seeing and and out scheming them on. Yeah. So the attempts uh, against the Grizz thus far this season, 14 attempts, 14 times have opponents gone for it on fourth down eight have converted. So that's a 57% success rate. Uh, Wildcats have also given up eight conversions on fourth down but they've had 23 attempts against them. So hmm. that's only a 34.8% uh, conversion rate. So yeah. lots of shots against the Wildcats as well. Um, only 14 against the Grizz, but giving up eight is what you know draws that, that, that percentage up quite a bit. Yeah, that's surprising to me because I thought, you know, it's kind of against what I said. I thought I thought more people would have taken a shot against Montana to steal those possessions. Yeah. Um, another thing that you mentioned, Simon, that I think we should talk about is the Grizz have the second best red zone defense or second to last, sorry, red zone defense in the conference, which is surprising because of all the things that we've talked about. They're such a great defensive team. They're just ahead of Montana State in red zone defense. But like we saw last week, you got to get there. You got to get to the red zone in order to punish them. They've only allowed 11 visits all season. So how do the Wildcats get there? Because we talked about this last week on this show about how if the Wildcats can get in the red zone against the Bobcats, there's a good chance that they can find the zone that, that turn uh, the Wildcats got early in the first quarter that ended up being three and not seven, you know, um, things like that. You have to get there. Where do you see that? Is it, is it sort of a, I'm, I'm more worried about sustaining drives before I worry about red zone defense. I mean, where are you guys at on this statistic? I think, I think the Weaver say, I think Weaver stays great on offense when we have those explosive plays, you know, that's, that's always been the difference. And that, that was, you know, that was, was the difference on Saturday. I mean, that's why we were in that game because of the, and, you know, explosive plays are not just on offense, but on special teams. Right. And that's kind of what really, really kept us in the game. So I think, you know, what's the quickest way to get down there? Well, you, like I said, you can run 10 plays to to get down there or you can throw it up and have a have a nice explosive play. So I think, you know, that that could be a big a big deal, too. You know, uh, be interesting to see the matchup with uh, with their corner, you know, the Ford kid. Right. He's he's yeah, pretty talented. 
He's great. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's good. He's good pretty talent. legit. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how that, how that matchup works too, because he's pretty talented. Yeah. And, and if you listen to uh, our Idaho uh, colleagues at Tubbs at the club after their game against the Grizz, they talked about how they were surprised that the Montana coaching staff had put Justin Ford in kind of a weird spot in that game where he was covering folks who weren't necessarily Giovanni McCoy's number one. Uh, he was covering some other folks like tight ends and that kind of thing. And they were surprised because the the Grizz were getting gashed. You know, uh, there a, a couple of their receivers had pretty good numbers. You know, one of them like 149 yards in that game. So you would think adjust and put your best corner on their guy to you know shut down and make somebody else beat you. Um, but that's not necessarily what happened. And so I gotta wonder: is it? I mean, why why wouldn't they adjust and just stick with that plan when they know they're getting beat? I don't know when you have a, uh, somebody as talented as Justin Ford in your secondary, because he's up there folks. Like he's a very good player. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think it'll be one of the nice things to see, especially in, in the red zone. I think, you know, you're getting to that point again, where it is unpredictable. It's just like fourth down, you know, you've seen, the biggest mistake in NFL history was probably made at the red zone with defense. And I'm sure. pointing back to the, yeah, that Super Bowl haunts me and I hate it. <laughs> run the ball. Right. Run the ball. <laughs> and it, it is right. It, it's one of those places that people, people try something different. They try to put Justin Ford in these weird spots. And um, so I think that's one of the nice things about Weber state getting there is I think this offense is fast paced. Like we've talked about, we are clearly capable of, you know, getting to the red zone in big, in big games against big defenses. You know, even though we lost that Montana state game, you know, getting, you know, 38 against that team is still, that's an impressive feat right there. Um, and so I think one of the things especially is um, I, I want us to run the ball a little bit just to kind of see if we can get anywhere with it and get Chris Jackson out and kind of pound through that line a little bit. But the other thing is too, like if you can get T-Mac to, you know, go for his famous 40 yard drives and everything like that. And you're in that red zone right there after something like that. I don't know. I, I don't know how you cope with that as a defense, especially when you're in the, in that 20 yard range right there. Like, I don't know what you think Weber state's going to do. It's, it's tough. And so I think that's one of those big things is just having those big plays right there that, that make it extremely unpredictable because that's what, that's what people rely on when they beat Montana is they rely on that, on that hard to predict style of play. So guys, um, I want to talk a little bit about Montana's offense. We haven't talked very much about that. We've talked a lot about their defense, obviously, because it is a hallmark of what they do, but the Grizz, they look to the arm and legs of San Diego state transfer quarterback, Lucas Johnson, who, when he came to Missoula, I think impressed folks, let's say said, okay, you know, here we have a quarterback who is a little bit more capable. The quarterback position was, I think, maybe a little bit of a downfall for them last season. They did have a lot of injuries in Missoula last year, and so that played a role as well. Right now, though, Lucas Johnson is the one that leads the team in touchdowns, but he barely cracks the conference top 10 for quarterbacks. So what do you think is the key to keeping him contained and throwing the ball? Because it seems like that's where he isn't necessarily the most comfortable, although he is capable, right? Tenth in the conference is not nothing. 
This guy can throw the ball, but like we saw last week, you need to make sure that a, a, a quarterback who can run like Lucas Johnson stays in the backfield. Otherwise, we can have another Tommy Malott situation and, and get gashed for 274 yards. I think that's, you know, part of that is athleticism, right? How athletic are you on on defense, uh, your secondary and your your linebackers, right? How, how fast can you close that space between him um, when he decides to start start the run? You know, I think it comes to the D line too, making sure that they um, uh, contain him. You know, but the thing that's I was thinking about this, and it's kind of interesting when you talk about offense and where they're at, and and different things, right? So, as you look at the rankings of offense, who's who's the number one offense in the in the is it sack? Um, so yeah, uh, it might be. Um, let me let me pull it up really quickly. But the number yeah. one offense total is yeah sack right now. But for a time, uh, Cal Poly was up there. Well, for passing offense, but yeah, overall, right. Sacramento State yeah. is is scoring the most points. They're averaging 514 yards a game. It's just prolific, yeah. right? Yeah, I just think it's interesting when you look at that, and you could look at some other stats. But when you look at passing, you know, so it just kind of tells you what a great team game football is right because when you look at passing the number one passing is is the uh uh the hastings from uc davis right and eastern washington and northern cal northern arizona and cal poly and idaho right and then bronson's number seven so you have all these offenses that are really doing very successful but the guy chucking the ball isn't really that that successful so it's just kind of interesting to me that it's kind of a team team concept. And I know some of the teams have two quarterbacks too, which deludes things also. But, uh, well, you know, as, as you look at total offense. Yeah. But I look at this, at this top 10, like you said, coach of, of the, 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 the top 10 passing passers in the conference. And you, you don't see the, you don't see a great team until really you get to Idaho, right? Cause Cal Poly is yeah. not good. Northern Arizona has yeah. not been good. Eastern has had their troubles. And Davis is trying to get their way back. I'm not going to say they're not good because I think that they are. They're just not one of the top teams in the conference. They're sort of middle because of how top heavy the Big Sky Conference is. And so you get to number five with Giovanni McCoy. And then you start to see a quarterback who is playing for a team that has a chance to go to the playoffs. And if things shake out, Idaho might be conference champions, depending on how things go this weekend. And right. so, and then you see Bronson Barron and then you see Jake Dunaway. And so um, I think you're right that it is important that it's, it's a team game because when you look at team stats overall passing Montana Grizz are 10 out of 12, when it comes to passing Montana state is dead last in the conference at passing. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they're undefeated in conference play and they've got a clear path to a conference championship. So yeah. it's a team yeah. game. Like you said, yeah. So I just think, I think that's interesting, but I'll tell you, you know, and I, and I don't want to take anything away from Montana state, but as I watch those and I don't know where Idaho's in the mix and they got to be in the, definitely got to be in the mix. Right. But Perfect. just looking at the teams we play and going to play Sac state is legit. Okay? They're legit. Montana Weber state. I, you know, I'm saying Weber state's going to be number two after this weekend. Okay. And then I, I think Montana state's the fourth team. I really do. When you look at the total botna, not the body of work, but their skill set and what they can do, I think I think Montana State. I know by not by record, but by just watching teams play, 
I think they're number four, man. I, I really do. I know that's going to sound really crazy to a lot of people, but man, you watch Sac State, man, they are legit. And, you know, Weber State, we gifted them a game. And, and you know, that's just kind of my personal ranking, not looking at the, the, the scoreboards and the win-loss thing, just as a team, who, who's the better team. Yeah. Um, really quickly, guys, uh, last couple of points here. We haven't talked about Patrick O'Connell, um, senior linebacker uh, out of, I think he's from Kalispell. Um O'Connell is a finalist. I think he was a finalist for the Buck Buchanan last year. Definitely on the Buck Buchanan watch list this year. I mean, Patrick O'Connell is a preseason defensive MVP, I believe. The guy is just an absolute monster. Leads the conference in sacks and TFLs. I mean, this guy's a dude. How does the O-line try and mitigate somebody with that level, that motor and that level of talent for getting in the backfield. Because if Patrick O'Connell has himself a day, it's going to be really difficult for the Wildcats to run their offense effectively. Yeah. It starts by knowing where he's at, right? That's the first thing is knowing where the hell he's at and where he's coming from, you know, and it's not just the, the old line, but you know, running backs got to do a good job good with him also. Gaps. You know, and you got to be physical with with a guy like that. O line guys, you know, once once you're able to put your face on a guy like that, you got to finish him, man. You got to get him on the ground. You got to make him get up, get him on the ground, get up. You know, and he's you know uh, to do the things that he does. He's just one. He he's got to be one heck of a competitor, and and sometimes it's hard to tame those guys. So, I mean. That's what you got to do. You just got to go at him. You just got to keep, you know, just keep slinging the hammer, man, and just keep slinging the hammer. Maybe take advantage of some of his aggressiveness and then do some stuff with play action or something like that. But, you know, uh, Weber State's not the only school that has kids on scholarship, right? You know, Montana State's got a couple guys. Montana's got guys, you know, and that's 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 what it is, right? You just got to be able to match up with those guys and and compete. Um, no, I think I think that's completely right. I think like you know, one of those things is, um, and I know I point back to this this fast paced offense a lot, but um, there's a game back in the 1990s. I believe it's 91, 92 or it's Bills versus Raiders and Howie Long came out and said he was going to, you know, completely destroy the Bills and Raiders didn't know where they were the entire time. Um, that offense was just fast and it was, it was tough. And I think like one of those things you're going to see with this is I, I still point back to the fact that Bronson Barron is a great scrambler is very good at getting out of tough situations. And we've seen that a lot this year. Um, but I think, I think that's going to be one of those things is we look at this as a test from, for our offense against a, a defense as elite as Montana's. Um, but I think it's also a test of their defense as well, because it's this, this team can play fast and they can play hard and they, you know, we were staking make a, what's supposed to be a three yard play, a 26 yard play, and you're not going to have any idea what, it, where it comes from. So I think that'll be one of the nice things to see. I think this offense, if it if it runs fast and it runs hard, you know, it, it's very hard to stop. Yeah, I, I one thing too is just I mean I'm interested to see where Montana's psyche is right now. You know, you lost two in a row. You had all these expectations to be Big Sky champs. 
it's tough when you lose two, right? So I'm just kind of wonder where their where their mindset is, you know, coming into the game, or maybe if things just real quickly don't go their way, what what their mindset's going to be, you know, that they've lost two in a row. Yeah, because as it sits right now, um, should should the Grizz lose today and then lose Cat Grizz at the end of the season, they would be sitting at seven and four and on the bubble for making the playoffs. When at the beginning of the season, folks saw them as a legitimate contender for the national championship like you said probably big sky champion coach but now big sky championship is out the window it's not going to happen and now you're fighting to salvage the season and get into the playoffs so that you can try and make something happen Um, last question guys and then we'll move on to fly around the sky the Grizz are the one of the the worst of the best teams so like right there in the middle if you look at the teams that are worse than them at running the ball it's the kinds of folks that you would expect. You look at the teams that are better than them at running the ball. It's teams that you would expect. Will that make them one-dimensional in a way that benefits the Wildcats? Or will Bobby Houck uh, have something up his sleeve to make sure that they don't become one-dimensional and rely too much on the passing game, that they keep a balanced offense because... Rushing the ball has not necessarily been a great strength for the Grizz this season, but they still continue to move the chains regardless. Well, I think we got to figure out what quarterback's going to play, right? That's true. And we won't know until warmups. Right. They, won't, they won't say. Yeah. So the kid that played against Sac State that came in, I mean, I think they really kind of um, limited him. You know, like, let's not give him too much to do. Um, so that that will be interesting if, if he's the if he's the guy, um, you know, the other quarterback, you know, how much did he practice on Monday or Tuesday or did he still have some cobwebs in, you know, from because that was a pretty big hit that he took. Um, so. I just, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's, that's interesting. And what, you know, you definitely don't want to go in and be one dimensional, right? You want to be able to chuck it around and, and do those things. But <laughs> then you're staring down at Weber state secondary and it's like, well, do I really want to chuck? I, I want to be balanced. You know, football one oh one says to be balanced, but they're not playing against this secondary. Maybe, maybe that's not a good idea to be too balanced, you know? And I still go back to the first thing I said. I think it's, it's this game and any game is like this, but I think this game with the way the offenses are, I think it's so important to first down run to, to help the quarterbacks on both sides of the ball. Cause I just don't think, I think they're both great quarterbacks. They're, they're efficient. They can do some good things, but they're not quarterbacks that you want to be third and long all day long. They're just, I just don't think, both quarterbacks, and I'm talking Weber State and Montana starting quarterbacks. I don't think they're guys that you want to be. And no, no quarterback wants to be sitting third and ten all day long, right? I mean, there's guys out there pretty damn talented, and that's not a problem. But I just don't think the way these offenses are built and personnel, first down run is going to be the difference to, to all the things that we've talked about. Simon, final thoughts, man, before we wrap up the segment. Yeah, you know, I think I think you come into any game against against one of the other big four, you know, um, and and you never want to come in one dimensional because these teams are they're too good, they're too smart, they're going to figure it out. Um, you know, I think one thing uh, for Montana um, coming into this game with their offense, you know, we're looking at that quarterback situation as well, um, but. 
And this is maybe me being a product of my generation because I had to grow up during the Patriot Dynasty. And I hate the Patriot Dynasty with all my heart. But one thing that they did really well was time of possession and yeah, and putting some putting some number on numbers on the clock. I think that's one of those big things where you don't have to be at this point where you can air the ball out and get, you know, a 40 yard drive just off of one play. I, you know, I think, I think that's one of those things is if you can keep it where you're running some small screen plays and, you know, you're running some plays to tight ends and, and hitting the, hitting the D line a little bit with a couple of runs. Um, it can be hard to stop that. And so I think that's one of those things is I, I don't expect him to pull out like the big plays, but I expect him to have like, kind of a diverse style of offense where they're, where they're starting to do just some little things to get these, to get, you know, just one more yard. And, and so that's kind of what I'm expecting them. I'm, I'm kind of expecting that, especially if they pull out a back quarterback, I'm expecting some smaller plays to be able to just put that drive in and get that time of possession up. That's a good point though. The, the screen games is that's not something we've seen a lot of. So that could be, that could be a factor. You know, that could be something that that I don't think we've seen a lot from Weber State this season. So that that is a good way to kind of uh, uh, take care of that D line and that that pass rush and those things. That could be interesting. Yeah, I think the key to dealing with that pass rush, and we haven't said this yet, but slants, quick outs, you know, getting three step drops, getting the ball out of the pocket quickly will be critical to making sure that the offense is somewhat productive. Because if if Baron has to hold on to the ball for too long, Patrick O'Connell's going to get you. You know what I mean? Like you cannot hold on to it. He will find you and he's proven that he can do it. So uh, let's talk a little bit about fly. Let's think a fly around the sky, fellas. Uh, like we, we talked about at the top, uh, our picks last week and you know, some of us you know, we are all right, I guess. And so we've got one, two, three, four games this week. And so starting up, we're going to pick Portland state at Eastern. Um, coach, how are you feeling about this one? I'm going Eastern. Yeah, I can't blame you. I mean, Portland State has been bad. Eastern has had a tough schedule, but I think that, you know, they're the better team. So, Simon, what about you? Oh, I've got Eastern all the way on this one. Yeah, we all agree. Gunnar Talkington right now, second in the conference in passing yards. And so, like oh, we yeah. saw, there is vulnerability in that secondary for Portland State. And, um, man, they could take advantage of it. But they have to make sure that they contain Dante Sachere. Uh Next up, Cal Poly at Davis. <sighs> man, guys. Is that a big rivalry type situation there? Or what is? Uh, so, Davis's rivalry game is actually against Sac State at the end of the season. Um, that makes sense. You know, because they are not very far. Cal Poly, I mean, I don't know if there's a rivalry there because they're both, you know, California schools, but California schools that are pretty far apart. Maybe there is. Right. I don't know, because they they also both play in the Big West in all their other sports. So they right. see each other a lot. So I can't say, right. but in this matchup, Mustangs or Aggies? <laughs> I'm going to go Aggies on this one. Um, as far as... Cal Poly and UC Davis being a rivalry. We saw my geography skills last week, so I'm not going to lend to how close they are to each other. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's one of those things. UC Davis is a hard team to rank this season just because their strength of schedule has been – they just had a tough strength of schedule. Um, but, I mean, it's Cal Poly, and 
They've been bad. We've seen Cal Poly lose to some bad teams this they season. Lost, they lost to the Stripes. It's like, they dude, lost come on. <laughs> Coach, what about you? Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the same program. I'm on the same program. Taking Going the with Aggies. the Hawk. Going with the Hawk. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, an interesting matchup here, one with conference championship implications. Idaho takes the trip to Sacramento State. Idaho's been hot, guys. We, you know, we saw them take on Montana at Wagriz and win the game, take the Brownstein, little Brownstein back for the first time since 1999. Um, but they did look a little sluggish last week against Portland State. Now they took care of business, they ended up, you know, whooping up the the Vikings, but they've had some slow starts against some bad teams. Sacramento State is not a bad team. How do you guys see this one? After watching Sac play Montana, um, I'm going with Sac. I think that running back for Sac is a pretty darn legit. That guy is a dude. Um, I was impressed with Sac's defense, how they bowed up against Montana and played all those snaps and stayed on the field. So I, I, I'm going with Sac. Although the win, you know, uh, the win Idaho had over Montana. Big. Was impressive. Yeah, big. I mean, my, I think Idaho's defense is a little bit underrated this season. They are right up there with the Grizz and the Wildcats at holding opponents on the run game. Um, I don't think we necessarily expected that coming into the season. And like you said, though, Cameron Scadabo is a dude. And even though Montana has an elite run defense, I think Scadaboo still ended up with like 100 yards in that game. You know, that's just who he is. So, Simon, what about you? Who are you taking? <laughs> this one's tough. Like, it, it tough. really is. You know, you, you come in and you see this team that's undefeated and you're like, oh, you know, it, it sacks me all the way. But I am... Um, man, I'm really having... I'm really having trouble with this one. I'm kind of... <laughs> Come on. I'm going to go for the upset. Let's do Idaho right okay. now. Yep. Take a drive from the north. Week. Yeah, I've got I've got some buffer zone. And if I come back next week and Idaho wins, I look like a genius. And if not, then it's completely fine. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, Risk Idaho could. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they could. I mean, Giovanni McCoy, I mean, we've talked about, we'll talk about this next week, but sex, secondary, not the best. And right. Giovanni McCoy has proven himself to be a very serviceable quarterback. I mean, I think he's a front runner right now for the Jerry Rice award in the country. Uh, he's a very good quarterback. And so if he's able to take advantage, especially the way that he's handled pressure, we saw how he handled that Montana blitz, uh, at Wagres. I mean, impressive. If he, if he can make that secondary pay, could be a long day for the, for the Hornets. Then the final game guys, Montana at Weber States. We talked a lot about both teams. Who are you picking? I'm picking Weaver State. That's <laughs> it, man. Ain't no doubt for the coach. Simon, what about you? I'm gonna go Weaver as well. I think okay. I think we've got a better team. I think, you know, we're gonna come into this one and off that tough trip to Bozeman, but still, you know, we we should have won that Bozeman game. That, that is a tough game to lose. And I think um I know coach said different and, and he's, he's probably right on that one, but uh, 
I still have Montana State as a little bit better of a team than Montana. So I think I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to yep. go Weber State in this one. Yeah, uh, same. Uh, I took SAC and took Weber State. So we'll see how things shake out. Uh, got the picks in, so we'll see how things go today. Uh, looking at the upcoming schedule, of course, today uh, against Montana, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at Stewart Stadium. It's a blackout game, so get your tickets at WeberStateSports.com. I understand that there is also an America First promo. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, so hop in the Facebook group, the Weber State uh, Fans Facebook group, a couple of folks have posted in there what the deal is, how it works. Uh, you can go in there and get that code, get yourself some free tickets, um, but need as many Wildcats fans as we can there. My understanding is that both of the, the, the bigger schools in the state are not playing or on the road. So no excuse not to get to Ogden on today and tailgate and enjoy and just see what the Wildcats can do against the Grizz. Then next week, um, the final big test for the Wildcats, Saturday, November 5th versus Sac State. The Hornets will come to Ogden and we'll see how they stack up against these Wildcats. Tickets at WeaverStateSports.com or you can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. So you can also watch both of these games on K locally or listen to 103.1 The Wave if you want to hear Steve Klauke, who is uh, awesome. Then Saturday, November 12th, Stripes come to town. Uh, this will be the final home game of the regular season for the Wildcats. It'll be senior day, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tickets at WeberStateSports.com. KJazz and ESPN Plus, of course. And then 103 won the wave. If you want to listen to Steve Klauke, then we wrap up the season taking the trip up to Flagstaff to take on Northern Arizona. That game will also be at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. ESPN Plus or 103 on the wave. Still trying to find a good flight to that one. I really want to go to that NAU game. I think it'd be a lot of fun, but I haven't found a good flight deal from Nashville to Phoenix yet. So keep my eyes peeled. If you guys find something, let me know. But I uh, would love to go to that NAU game. I think it'd be a ton of fun. So guys, we'll wrap up the show. Email us, weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, had a guy reach out to us through the website this week, interested in getting involved in Weber State. So I had a conversation with him and uh, probably will be getting a little bit more involved. You might hear a new voice on the show soon. So if that's a thing that you're interested in, you want to maybe figure out ways that you can be a part of generating content for Weber State at Weber State Weekly, reach out to us, man. Glad to talk and see kind of what your interests are. We're super open to that. Uh, also, patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly, where we're putting that recruiting content. And then uh, the blog, WeberStateWeekly.com. Appreciate both of you guys for chatting Wildcat football today. Uh, hoping for the best up at Stewart Stadium. Get there, wear black, and get loud. Folks, we'll wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. Great, great. Go Wildcats. Wildcats.